All right. So today is our final message uh, in our series that we've been on, Building a Flourishing Life. And we've been talking about since the very beginning of this series how it's God's heart, his desire, that we would have a flourishing life, that we would be like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Basically, there's always an ongoing life source. Whether there's lots of rain or no rain, whether it's in the desert, it doesn't matter because it's God's presence in our life. It's like we're, we're by a stream that always is giving us life so that we'll bear fruit in season and we've got uh, leaves that never, never wither. And this is like a, a metaphor scripture uses it over and over and over again of how God sees what he wants for our lives. First of all, I just want to say, I hope that after five or six weeks of talking about this, you're starting to believe that a little bit. That you're starting to believe that it's God's heart for you to have a flourishing life and you don't have to be afraid of that because so many of us are scared of that because what we've heard um, and what we've uh, heard taught from other people is an unhealthy message that all of us are supposed to be really rich and have all fancy clothes and all nice cars or whatever and sometimes that's how God blesses us with finances but not always. All right, and so sometimes we think God, uh, we, we equate a flourishing life with that, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is whatever it is God has put in our hands, we do well to steward it and to take care of it, to put it to work for His purposes. And so we've been talking about that. And we've talked about how there are these five areas of our life that God has asked us to steward well or invest well uh, into so that we can have a flourishing life. Not just flourish in general, but have these areas of our life that we're flourishing in. And we've been talking about them as capitals. Remember that? Capitals are something that we have that we can invest or that we can grow. It's something that we've got that we can invest or we can grow. And we said there's five of those. The first one that we talked about is spiritual, and it's the most important one that we've got. It's key to everything else, growing our spiritual capital, our relationship with God. Relational is all about our relationships with one another. Physical is all about our time, our energy, not just, not just whether or not I'm fit or not, although that's important, but our time and our energy that we have to live the life that God's called us to live. Intellectual is what we talked about last week. It's all about how do we think and form the mind. Uh, and so this week, we're going to talk about financial capital. And financial capital has to do with money and tangible resources, our money and the tangible resources we've got. Now, this one's interesting because the reality is um, you, you kind of have to have at least some of the other capitals going in your life in order to flourish in this one. Uh, it's interesting that this is the most fluid of the five capitals. It's the one that is actually the easiest to gain quickly as well as the easiest to lose quickly, right? And some of you might not feel that way. You're like, man, I wish I could grow my financial capital. But let's just say just for the thought experiment, you were like, I need money and I, I'm, right now I'm thinking of the attorney commercial. I want money and I want it now. Anyway, sorry. If you need money and you need it like right now, there are ways that you can go out and like you can start delivering pizzas, you might not want to deliver pizzas, but you could do that. Like everywhere around us, there are help wanted signs. I don't know if you've noticed that. Any restaurant you go to, they're like, we apologize already. We're short staffed, right? Like, so, uh, so if you needed more money and you need it quickly, it might not be something that you want to do, but there is money out there to get. So it's, it's something that's the easiest for us to get. Not necessarily just to be wealthy. I don't mean that, but there's something to get our hands on it. It's the, also the easiest to lose, like most of us are one car breakdown away, one health problem away, one missed paycheck because we were sick away, 
from finances being really, really hard. Anyone identify with this? So it's, it's the easiest to grow in, but also the easiest to lose. And so what that does is it puts us in a really hard situation because we, we wrestle with this tension of money. And no matter what we can do, what we try to do, there is no way out of having to deal with money. It's just not possible in the society that, that we live in. Like, it, it's, um, no, matter, no, matter what, uh, no matter what we do, whether it's now or 2,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago before people were trading coin, we had commodities. Hey, so I need beef, and you have beef, and I have rice. I'm going to give you my rice for your beef. That's like basic human exchange. And the way that God has designed the world that we live in is we all are interconnected with one another. And money is the way that we're connected with one another in many ways. I have this and you have this. I can work and, I, and, and you can pay me or I can work for you and whatever it is. Like we're doing this. Actually, everything you did this morning from the moment that you got out of bed somehow is touched by money. If you got on, if you got up this morning and you turned your lights on, guess what? You paid money to keep those lights on, right? When you got in your car to come here, Guess what? You paid or someone paid money for that car and the gas that's in it. Like, we, we just don't think about it, but everything in our life revolves around money. Now, I've got a confession here. I said this a few weeks ago. Some of the capitals I feel stronger in, this is not one of those areas. So I'm not sharing today from a place of strength. I'm sharing from a place of God stretching me and growing me in this area. And so I just want to let that out. Like, I want to be really honest and transparent. This is not an area in my life where I feel like, man, I have got a handle on this. My guess is for most of you in the room, you're like, I don't have a handle on this, right? There's maybe a few of us. So, but I'm, I just want you to know, totally, total transparency, this is an area I'm growing in, but it's an area I can't ignore. And one of the reasons for that is Jesus talks about this so much. Do you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell combined? Do you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about prayer and fasting combined? I actually think if you added heaven, hell, prayer, fasting, he still talked about money more than that. He talked about more, money more than any other singular topic with the exception of when he talked about the kingdom of God. 11 out of the 39, there's debate about how many parables there are, 39 or 40. At least 11 of them have something to do with money. If you were to look at all the topics Jesus teaches about, it's 15% of all of his teaching. That's a huge deal. We're talking about the Son of God, the wisdom of God in flesh on earth, and he only has three years to give his message. And that's, this is what he chooses to talk about. But I think it's because it's so tied into our life and we can't really escape it. Some of Jesus' biggest encouragement comes and has to do with their finances. So he tells us people, look, look, don't worry about tomorrow. Like, let the worries of tomorrow take care of us. Look, he encourages his disciples, say, would you look at how the Father takes care of the birds? And he looks how he takes care of the flowers of the field. And so Jesus is constantly encouraging his people to trust him. But it's also one of the areas of biggest challenge. Many of the warnings, like right here in this passage I just read, many of Jesus' most dire warnings are about how we deal with our finances. And so we've got we've to wrestle exactly with, with this. And it seems as though like money is a great revealer of what is already in our hearts. That seems to be Jesus' overall message, that money somehow reveals something in us. So if we had an experiment, and this is not going to happen, and I was to give you all $100 tonight, I would be, I would also be great. Yes, Lord, yes. Uh, and, and each one of you walked out of here with a $100 bill. 
it would be revealing about what's in your heart, what you choose to do with that $100. And my guess is, out of everybody in this room, there would be lots of different responses. Some of you would immediately, like, gotta, you're just wired as a saver. You'd be like, I can't spend this. I have to immediately put it into my bank account and save it. Some of you would immediately be a spender. You're like, God gave me this to go buy the best tomahawk steak, right? Like some of you would immediately think about generosity and like, who could I bless with this? Like, who could I give this away? Some of you would be thinking about, man, we're really working hard to pay down that debt. How can we take this money and apply it? And all of those things reveal something that's already in your heart. There's a, there's a misnomer that money corrupts. That's actually not true. It's human beings who are corrupt. It's what we do with the money that we have. It, it actually amplifies whatever is in our life. Uh, it's like, it's like when, when money is entered into the equation or taken away from the equation, it's as if the volume on different areas of our life is like turned up. I know that is the case for me. On a big scale, I think part of the issue with money is like really just thinking about, do we really trust God? Do we trust God to take care of us? Do we value things or people? Do we have a grid for generosity or are we kind of like stingy people? Do we generally think about in terms of abundance or scarcity? I know people who automatically when they see a problem, they're like, oh yeah, God's got a solution for this. I'm not even stressed about it at all. I'm like, what kind of job am I going to have to go out and get? Like, you know, I'm going to have to sell a car. I'm going to have to cut off my left arm. Like, you know, like they're going to, how am I going to solve this, right? And then there's some people I'm around who's like, no, they just think in terms of abundance. Like, I don't, I don't think that way. And it's revealed something that's in my heart. And money in this, all, in this whole financial capital thing doesn't really have to do with just how much you have. I've seen lots of people with lots of money be really, really generous. Some of the most generous people I know are the people with the most. But I've also seen people with lots of money be really, really stingy. As a matter of fact, um, you know, as a pastor, I'm privileged to lots of information uh, in town. And so the bar owners and restaurant owners that I get to know often tell me about the people in town who are tippers or not good tippers. It's, it's really, really funny. Uh, so by the way, Fusion Church, be good tippers in, in town. You never know. I'm not saying that because of that, but like I've literally had some going, you know so-and-so who I know is really, really well off? They stiff our, 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 our staff every time. So the waitresses don't, they actually fight because they don't want to wait on that person, because not only do they have money they could give, they're choosing not to give it. Like I've, and these are some wealthy, wealthy people. I've also known people who have very little, like, and you feel like don't have very much, are some of the most generous, faithful people I know. I've seen that over and over again in the life of our church. Some of the most faithful people in this church have the littlest to give. But I've also seen those same people in the same kind of situations like be very, very stingy. So it really doesn't have anything to do with how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. Flourishing in financial capital doesn't necessarily have to do anything with the size of your bank accounts or the amount of assets that you have, but stewarding what we have. So notice in this parable that I read at the beginning, you've got a brother who comes to Jesus 
And he's asking Jesus to kind of um, arbitrate this issue that he's having with his brother. This was actually very common in Jesus' day. So rabbis, which Jesus was considered a rabbi, people would go to and seek out wisdom. There wasn't like a court system exactly like we have. So they would go to whoever they thought was the authority, and they would say, hey, we've got this issue. Well, this brother somehow feels as though he's entitled to money that's been given to his brother. And so he's demanding that Jesus do something about it. Hey, take what he has and give it to me. Well, we don't know all the ins and outs. We don't have a backstory. We could kind of create one if we want to. But whatever it is, Jesus perceives in that that this is a greedy request. That somehow this son has already been given what the brother has already been given what he's been owed. And now he's asking for more. And so Jesus comes right at him uh, with like, hey, like your desire for an abundance of possessions is not a good thing. And so he comes right at this. And then Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach this parable. This is what Jesus does. He has something, something happens, and he is like, I'm going to tell a story that's going to help to illustrate this. And so he starts telling this parable about this person who had this great field, who all of a sudden it produced tons of harvest. So apparently this is a, a, a well-to-do farmer. It says he was wealthy to begin with. And he must have known how to manage his crops very well. We don't know, but we would just assume that that would be the case. And he has this amazing harvest. And so he's got all of this, and he's got to figure out, what do I do with it? And then he, so he decides that the best thing to do is tear down the barns that he already has and build bigger ones so that he can have more stuff, so that he can kind of take, off, take a like, long-term sabbatical. Like, I'm just not going to work anymore. I'm just going to chill out. It, it's interesting when you read this, and I, and I emphasize this when I read, how many times I, me, my came up in that parable. It's a person who's completely self-absorbed in their wealth. And Jesus like, uses this as an illustration for like, how dangerous money can be when it's not going right. It's interesting that Jesus does not, he does not criticize the man for having abundance. I want you to hear that. Jesus' issue is not that the man has too much. Actually, uh, in this society and everyone that would be watching would be like, they would see this as a sign of blessing. And Jesus, I think, would say, oh man, this guy is richly and abundantly blessed. We should give thanks to the Father for how, like, how well to do this man is. His issue is not with his abundance. His issue is what he does with the abundance. It's his heart towards his possessions. It's his heart towards money. It's what he does with his financial capital because every per, everything the person does in this story is selfish with his financial capital. Everything the person does in this story is temporary with his financial capital. Because what happens at the end of the story? He says, look, you fool, tonight your life is over. Isn't that crazy? Like, if, 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 you, if your life was ended today, nothing that's in your bank account matters to you tomorrow. Do you realize that? Like, I, I know we know that, but Jesus is harping on this. Like, all these awesome barns full of all the stuff that you've amassed for yourself, it means nothing if your life is taken away tomorrow. So this person is selfish, and he's thinking, t uh, like, temporally. What Jesus is looking for and our posture towards our finances should be selfless and eternal. Do you see the difference? And so that's why he's saying, like, look, you should be rich toward God. Essentially what that means is you should put all of your stock and all of your money and all of your wealth, if you want to store up anything, it's in God's opinion of your finances and not in anything else. So the heart of the matter here 
as we're talking about flourishing in, in our financial capital, is not about how much we have. It could look like managing a lot or learning to trust God with a little. It could be about learning how to grow your resources, or it could look like how to best use, use the resources that you have. You know, oftentimes I get caught into the trap of if I had more then. Anyone else? But I feel like a lot of times God's looking and saying, but what are you doing with what I've already given you? There's never a time in the Bible where God looks at someone and says, yeah, you don't have enough. I can't think of a story that's in the Bible where someone, God calls someone to do something there like, yeah, I don't have enough. And God's like, yeah, that's right. I picked someone different. Like every single story, God's like, yeah, you're right. I got you. What, five loaves and a few fishes? Done. Feed 5,000. You're, you're a small little shepherd boy and you're going to fight a giant? No problem. Go grab some rocks. Do you see what I mean? Like God's issue is never the quantity that we have. Never. It's all about how do we use what he's put in our hands. So like we've been saying, a flourishing life is about faithfulness and fruitfulness. If we want to flourish in any area of our life, it's about faithfulness and fruitfulness. And we've said that faithfulness has to do with getting to know him, getting to know God, so that we can know his voice and do whatever he's asking in any situation. And the same is true about finances. That's all we're talking about, learning how to hear God's voice about how we manage our resources so that when the time comes and he's asking us to do something, we know what it is. That's, that's all it is. I wish it was more complicated than that because I could like write a book and sell a lot. Do you know how many books there are in finances? Do you know why there are so many books on finances? Because human beings are fundamentally broken. And like, and there's like, I mean, if you ask 10 different people about how you should manage it, they're all going to give you a bunch of different opinions. Maybe we should lean into the one who gives us our possessions and lean in and hear his voice, Right? And so what I'm not here to do is give you 10, tips to, 10 tips to grow your financial wealth, but how do we lean into what God says so that we're more faithful in any situation? And it helps me to think about there are some general areas that God gives us direction in this area, and then there are some specific things that God might do. So generally speaking, here's what I'm asking you to do. All right, ready? I want you to write these down. And whichever one is the one that comes to, it, to your attention, I want you to do a deeper Bible study about this, okay? Because I'm not going to give you a bunch of scriptures. We don't have time for that. I wish we did. So I'm going to trust you and trust the Lord that if he's tugging at your heartstring about something, that you'll go and you'll dig a little bit deeper. Deal? Deal. All right. All right. First one is this. If I think if, if there's something that's on the heart of God that he wants every single person to think about and every single person to know is that we should trust him with his provision, with our provision. We should trust him with our provision. Ultimately, everything that scripture has to say, I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture, is that he encourages people to trust him with money, to trust him with your well-being. Just, just simply just to acknowledge that everything that you have comes from him. Again, we could, we could do a walk through scripture, but I'm telling you, everyone is going to say, trust God, trust God. It comes up over and over, and just, it's something that is true that he is speaking to each and every one of us here. You, and not, there's no special case. 
Every single one of us, God is saying, hey, I want you to trust me with your resources. That's number one. Number two is that we're all called to gratitude. Every single one of us are called to gratitude, to be thankful for what we've been given, to acknowledge not just that we trust God, but that everything that we have, every single thing is a gift from him. I mean, it it still blows my mind to think about when I go to sleep at night, my brain still works and my lungs still move and my heart still pumps blood, even though I'm not doing anything to make that happen. Do you guys realize how amazing that is? Like, that is a gift of the Lord. Like, we wake up every morning and just kind of like, yeah, let's go about the next day. But like, there is no reason why you would wake up tomorrow, but the Lord is like sustaining your life. There's no reason we have the physical capacity we have to be able to work. No reason why we have the mental capacity we have, but it is a gift from the Lord. Every job opportunity you've ever had to make, make money, every person God's put in your life is a gift from him. And over and over and over again, the scriptures call us to have gratitude, to be thankful to, that it all comes from him. One of the primary ways that we can pull those together, trusting God and giving gratitude, is what we call the tithe which is a principle that goes all the way back before the law was ever given that says, hey, the first 10% of everything that you have, that is an offering unto the Lord that acknowledges that everything you have is a gift from him. Like, and God built this practice into the heart of his people right from the very beginning. Hey, the first 10% of everything you have, it belongs to me. The other 90%, I'm giving to you to do whatever you want to. And if you'll trust me in this, if you'll set aside that 10%, I promise I will bless abundantly the other 90%. And so that's why we talk about tithing here at our church family, because this is a principle that goes on. And for followers of Jesus, that 10% is meant to be the floor, not the ceiling. It's like our base level of saying, God, everything I belongs to you. Man, and guys, sometimes that's hard. Anyone? Sometimes you can find all kinds of reasons, myself included, to say, oh, this is not looking good, Lord. I don't think I have this to give. I don't, know that I, I don't know that I have to give it. But God challenges. It's one of the only times in all the scripture Jesus says, challenge, or God says, challenge me in this. Trust me, if you will do this, look at what I will do. I will bless you, and I will bless you, and I will bless you. And so the practice of the tithe is simply, the, it's such a blessing of the Lord to give us to practice trust and gratitude. Trust and gratitude. So if that's not a regular practice of yours, I'd encourage you to step into it now. And if you're like, hey, I'm not sure how to get started, hey, come and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about that. No shame, no condemnation in that. And again, God's heart is that we are ridiculously generous people. If you actually look at what the Christians do in the New Testament, 10% is nothing. They're actually selling their whole houses. And they're going, okay, how can this help the work of the ministry? So if anyone has a house they'd like to sell and give the proceeds to Fusion Church, we will gladly accept it. So, I mean, this is the posture of, of the people in the New Testament is they're just ridiculously generous. All right, so trusting, gratitude. The third thing is formation. Formation. I think over and over again the scriptures reveal that something important that's happening is God is forming our heart through the way that we interact with resources. I know, and you, can, you know this too, that in times of where, where it feels like you haven't had enough, or in it th- when you're worried about whether or not there's going to be a, a enough in your, in your bank account, like there is a trust that we have to exercise, a muscle of faith that we have to flex, that we wouldn't have to flex otherwise. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it forms trust and faith. So, so when Jen stepped down from her teaching position a number of years ago, it was a major flexing of this muscle of faith. We learned things about God that I don't know that we could have learned in any other, in any other way. But then there's also been times of abundance in our life where it's like, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this. This is incredible. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know how to spend money, but I don't know. I, it just feels like you're lavishing something on me, and I don't know what to do with it, right? And that's formative too. And so, so it's not necessarily that money does something to you, but the circumstances that happens forms us into people. And so rather than always trying to get out of the situation or change the situation we're in, sometimes I feel like we need to ask God, what are we doing in this situation? Fourth thing is stewardship. So trusting God, gratitude, formation, and stewardship. The idea is this, that God is giving you things in your life and he's asked you to take care of them. Some of the things, I love it to think about in terms of sowing and reaping. Some of the things that God's given you in life, you're supposed to sow. You're supposed to invest in some way. Invest into other people, invest in your future, invest in your kids' future, invest in the life of the church. It's up to you to decide along, as you partner with God, what do I sow? And there are certain things in our life that God is calling us to reap, like that God is saying, no, now it's time. It's okay for you to enjoy this. It's okay for you to bless your family in this way. It's okay for you to do these kinds of things. This idea of sowing and reaping is, helps me to think about how I steward the things of God. Am I, am I taking good care of what God has put in my, in my hand? Am I investing it and managing what I have wisely, not just for today, but for eternity? Right? So stewardship. And the last one is generosity. Over and over again, I think God's heart and his posture for us is that we become as generous as he is. Because we have been given so much, we are able to give away to others. Here's what I know. Stingy people do not know how good God is. Stingy people do not know how much blessing they have in their life. But the most generous people I know are, able to, are the ones who see everything that they have as a gift. And so they don't hold on to it. And so God's heart is that he forms us into a generous people who are willing to give. Not, not, just, um, uh, not just when there's a compassionate need, although that's a one way we express generosity, but also uh, just because we have it to give, just because it's a blessing to someone. You know, sometimes we think of generosity as only uh, occurring when we see a real need, but sometimes the most incredible generosity is not just when there's a need, but just because it's in a blessing. It's overabundance. I've experienced that in my life, and it's awesome when God does that in my life. See, I think when we learn to lean in, so those are five areas that Scripture has a whole lot to say in your life. General areas that he has a whole lot to say to inform us and instruct us. And if we listen to those areas, we'll learn to hear the voice of God more and more. And then when it comes to specific decisions that we have to make in our life, we'll be able to hear the voice of God more clearly. Because the reality is God does want to speak into the situations and choices that you make. He cares about what you do with your business. He cares about whether you buy this house or that house. He cares about the, all of those kinds of things. He wants to be involved in those kinds of things. But here's what happens. Normally, we wait to go to God about our finances until we're in a situation of desperation, right? 
or we're in a place where we have to make some sort of decision. We've got to figure this out right now. And now we're trying to discern what the voice of God is. But the reality is God's been speaking all kinds of things to you through his word right up until that point. But are, were you willing to lean in and listen, right? And so I think that we've got to be more attentive to the general things that God has to say if we want to know how to manage our financial capital well in the specific areas of our life. That makes sense? Like, uh, um, as a person who's grown up with music my whole entire life and uh, I listen to a lot of music, there are certain things that when I sit down and I listen to a song for the first time that my ear naturally hears that someone else who doesn't care about music doesn't hear, right? It's not that my ears are better than that person. I've just spent a lot more time investing there. And here's what I know about people who do well with financial capital. They really listen to God a lot. They try to put into practice the things that God has to say in their general uh, circumstances so that when the specific thing comes, they need direction, then they've got it. See, God wants to give you direction about where to sow and how to reap. He wants you to not just follow rules about how you should give and not give and all those kinds of things, but to really be attuned to what he has to do. If we do that, then that faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness, right? That's what we've been saying along. All along. Fruitfulness is what comes out of our life that's good for God, for others, and ourselves, and especially things that are of eternal value. If we were going back to the parable that we started with, if this person was faithful, this could have been a very different kind of parable. Had he chosen with the abundance of wealth that God had given him to acknowledge it as a source of blessing, Rather than taking the benefit, he says this over and over in the parable. Oh my gosh, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. But it was all the Lord's, right, from the get-go. Had he taken a moment to trust God and say, no, Lord, it's yours, and I actually, I, I, I want to in gratitude acknowledge where this has come from, we would have had a different kind of parable. He could have maybe enjoyed some of that for himself. Like, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with, with reaping what has been sowed. But ultimately, he fell completely short of that by spending it in a, a completely selfish way. He could have decided to be generous and put that money to work for his children or for the benefit of the mission of God, whatever it might have been. There are all kinds of things that he could have done, but everything he did was short-sighted and selfish. If he had been faithful, there would have been fruitfulness. This story could have been a different story. This story could have been, this could have been an awesome story of look at what happens when God blesses a man and he chooses to turn around and acknowledge that blessing and use it for his glory. Wouldn't that have been an awesome parable, right? Had this parable been that parable, but it's not. And it made me think about what's the parable that Jesus would write if I were in the story? If Jesus was to use my example in my life, Mark, you guys can come on up. And it was going to tell the story of my life and my finances. What would be the story that he would tell? How about your story? Would it be a story of faithfulness and fruitfulness? Would it be a story of flourishing? Or would it be an example of what not to do? Yeah? My guess is it's probably a mix of both. I don't, like... There, if, I'm, if I'm being really honest, there's some areas of my life I feel like I've been really, really faithful to God. And then there are some areas where I feel like I've totally blown it. 
either because of ignorance or poor choices. When I was 18 years old, I walked to my college mailbox for the first time, and I opened up, and there was this offer in the mail of a credit card balance of $2,000. And I'd never talked with anybody about how credit cards work. I was like, this is free money. And so I was like, yes, this free money sounds good. And then someone came along and was like, here's another one. And there's another one. And I'm like, I could pay $100 forever. This is no problem. I had zero grid about how dangerous this was. Absolute foolishness on my part. I'm, I'm total foolishness. Mistakes that 10, 20 years later, still paying for. Anyone else relate? Like, it, it wasn't just a matter of disobedience. It was a matter of ignorance on my part. I didn't know any better. I didn't know what God's word has to, had to say about not being indebted. That's why I'm encouraging you to dig into scriptures for yourself and not just let me just tell you what to do so that you have personal convictions about what God is asking you to do. Do you see that? I think God's heart for us is that we would be the kind of people that he can hold up as a positive example and say, man, look at how generous that person was. Look at how well they, they followed my leading when I asked them to give. Look at how well they restrained when, I, when everyone around them was saying, go bigger, go for the bigger, better thing. The, I was saying to them, no, I want you to hold on to that for later. Like, the, the stories of the New Testament, the, the Apostle Paul writing letters to the churches, he's oftentimes praising how a per, uh, one community's generosity helped another community flourish. Paul talks about that at a very personal level. Look, your generosity has kept me going. Read the end of Philippians, the last, the last two chapters of Philippians. It's awesome how the Apostle Paul is looking like, I didn't have anything, and you supplied what I need. I knew that God was going to take care of me, but we're partners in this, and you took care of me. I think that God's story for us is that we all lean into financial capital and learn how to hear his voice clearly so that he can write those kinds of stories about us. Does that make sense? And here's the deal. I think that most of us probably feel like a little bit like, um, man, either I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go after some stuff in the room, okay? Here we go. Some of you believe that because of the choices that you've made in the past around finances, that this cannot be an area of blessing to you. And that is a lie of the enemy. It is a lie of the enemy. Is there anything that God can't redeem? Nothing. I know for me, it's like, I don't feel like I have enough discipline. But the scriptures say that God's given me a sound mind and a spirit of discipline. So God can redeem that area in my life. And he can redeem that area in your life. Some of you have been taught and believe that like, no, you're supposed to live in scarcity all the time. I'm telling you, I don't think that's the heart of God. There are times where it feels like, man, it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, that, that these blessings come our way. But, but also, I, I really firmly believe that if that is the case, that God is doing that to form something in us so that we can be generous too. And I think we've got to break off that kind of thinking and that kind of mentality. 
Some of you are telling God, not necessarily because you're actually saying it to him, but because you think of it, you can't bless me that much. I know, I know some of you in the room are like, no, no one can really think that way. I'm telling you, God, people think that way. Some of you are caught in generational poverty mindset. Parents are poor, grandparents are poor, don't know how to do it, uh, and, and you just don't, you've never seen anything else. I'm telling you, God can give you a new mindset. Remember what we talked about last week? He can upgrade your mindset if you're willing to read his word. If you're willing to look at those five points that I've given you, look through scripture and see what they have to say, I'm telling you, you can upgrade your mindset so that you can become a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. That's good news right there. All times and all things and all ways you can abound in every good work. Whatever God has asked you to do, he will supply the ability for you to do it. He will. I just trust him at his word. That doesn't mean it will look the same for you as it does your neighbor. It's going to look different for each one of us. But if God has asked you to do it, he will provide the means for you to do it. He's just that kind. He's just that generous. He's just that good. Some of us have to grow in our discipline, have to exercise our no, right? God's with you in that too. Some of us need to grow in our generosity because maybe some of us are having a hard time trusting that there will be enough if we give, give away that much. And that's okay. Remember, God's forming your heart here in this area. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, if you could. Just get into a posture of receiving from the Lord. I want to declare to you that your story is not written yet. The ending to your story is not written yet. And the, and the, the financial capital in your life does not have to be a heavy burden forever. It does not have to be a heavy burden forever. It does not have to be a heavy burden forever. I feel like the Lord is, is asking some of us just to make him Lord over our finances. Say, Jesus, I just give you control. I entrust my future to you. I entrust my family to you. I entrust what I have right now to you. Where do you need help with this in your life? Just invite the Holy Spirit into it. If you're saying, I, I feel like I need discipline uh, in areas of spending, then just ask, say, Lord, I need your help here. 
If you feel like, man, I'm really struggling and we're behind in bills and I just don't know how to catch up, I'm going to really need God to provide here. Uh, ask him right now for wisdom. James 1 says that we should ask for wisdom and that he will be faithful to give it to us if we don't doubt. So don't be double-minded. Ask the Lord for wisdom right now. God, help me. Help me figure this out. Help me sort this out. I can't see a way. I don't know how to do it. I, I can't see where it's at. If you're under a mountain of debt and you're just like, I don't know how we could ever get out of this. If you just cry out to the Lord and say, help. Just help, Lord. to see if there's anything else specifically that you might need to pray about. Two quick things I want to share. For me, I had a, I had a major change in mindset about this probably two, three months ago, we had about $3,000 in car repairs in a matter of a month and a half. Uh, we had a bunch of different stuff breaking down in our house, uh, and I was frustrated, uh, just frustrated. Like, um, And I kept, I kept kind of like internally praying this prayer, like, God, what is the deal? Like, why is all my stuff breaking? And you know, I mean, really, that was what was in my heart. This, what, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm trying to do it. Anyone else pray these prayers? Like, I am trying to do it, right? And um, I just felt a gentle challenge from the Lord. And I, these words just came out of my mouth. I was praying. It's like, none of this is actually mine. something happened in my heart, in my mind, just that little simple confession. None of this is mine. It's all yours, God. Literally, I'm driving a car that was a gift from this body of Christ. For those of you who don't know, a few years ago, the church rallied together and bought us a car. It was incredible. It was awesome. The giant check and everything. It was this incredible gift. I'm like, how can I be mad about something that's not mine? I started thinking about my house and the blessings and all the miracles that God did to get us in that house. It's not mine. I started thinking about all my kids, and I was like, they're not mine. And all of a sudden, something changed in my heart and in my mind. It was a mindset shift for me. And I'm telling you, that kind of thing can happen in your life too. Now, I'm going to tell you, that didn't come from a place of quiet contemplation and Bible study. That came from a frustrated, angry prayer in my car. Right? God hears those prayers too. Read the Psalms. He's not offended by them. Lord, come through. I need you here. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, we're, our story isn't, un, isn't finished yet. I don't know where this is going, but I'm saying, God, it's not mine. It's not mine. 
Some of you need to say it right now. You just need to say it out loud. It's not mine. It's not mine. Our bank accounts are not ours, God. Our cars are not yours. Our house is not, is not ours, Lord. It's all yours. It's all yours, Lord. It's all yours. Blessings, Lord. Bless, bless. That's not to say that our diligence and hard work isn't a factor. Some of you work extremely hard at your jobs, and that is awesome. Some of you work extremely hard at your finances and making sure every penny's in the right place, and God loves that about you. He loves that you're a detailed person and that you are attentive to those things. That is incredible. So he, he, he loves your hard work and your dedication. So don't in any way diminish that or think, think that that is less than. God loves that about you, and, and, it's, and it's awesome. And if you want to grow in this area of your life, just like the other capitals, you're going to have to invest what you, what you have in other areas. So if you're a prayer warrior, start praying about your finances. If you have relationships with people who, have, uh, who you feel like have a handle on financial capital, it's time to go and ask them, hey, what do you do? Help, help me grow in this area. If you have the means, your physical energy to grow and time to grow this area of your life, then do it. Go get another job. There are some of you, I've just, I've just applauded the way that you said, whatever I have to do to change the situation, I will do it. It's just awesome to see it. So use your physical capital that you have. Also, God's given you some incredible gifts. Some of you are so creative in this room and the ways that God can use to grow your financial capital. Don't you dare apologize for the mind and the creativity that God has given you to grow. Don't do it. God has blessed you with that. And he can use those things to grow your financial capital. But just remember that growing your financial capital is not the end game. If God grows your financial capital, he's giving you that to grow the other ones. To grow your relationships. To grow spiritually with the Lord. To grow in your understanding of how you interact with the Lord. To grow physically. To have more time and energy. Do you see how this works together? This is God's heart for you and his plan for you. I'm excited about what God's going to do in the life of our church. It's been an awesome journey so far, just the, the way that we've seen increase every single week in our, in our prayer from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. We pray for everyone in, in this room that, that if you have a business, that your business would do well, that you would, you would be a good steward, that you would do your job with excellence. That we pray for your finances every single week. We're praying for your financial capital to grow. And I believe that those prayers will not return void. Yeah, I just believe it. So I want to release you this week to go and grow your financial capital. That this would be an area of your life that you would flourish in and that you would not shy away from. That when someone brings up money, you would say, hallelujah, I've seen God do an amazing work in my life and I can't wait to give. Like when you see a pastor coming up giving an offering call, you'd be like, yes, like God has given me this extra money to give, not, oh my God, he's going to ask for more money. That's not the point. That when you see a need, you see a financial need, and you know there's someone, a neighbor who's hurting, you're like, God has amply supplied my ability to meet this need. Amen? Amen. All right. Have a great week. Go Bears.